1: Billionaires are rocketing off into space, but if you're like the rest of us, traveling to the stars is still pretty impossible. But a new VR experience promises the next best thing. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to discuss a new VR experience that gets you scary close to feeling like you're in space is CNET media reporter Joan Salzman. Welcome, Joan.
0: Thanks, Roger. But it's not scary. It may be scary close. It's not scary, though.
1: All right. Well, that's good to know. It's good for me uh, (laughs) because I don't know if I could take it. But tell me about this experience, The Infinite.
0: Yeah, The Infinite is a massive location-based in-person VR experience that's drawn from the largest film production ever recorded in space. There were about three years spent um, recording on the ISS um, capturing not only footage inside the ISS, footage of um, astronauts sort of speaking to camera and talking about their lives or the science they're doing or their reflections um, of looking down on earth, but also the first ever virtuality capture of a spacewalk of having a 360 degree camera in the vacuum able to withstand the pressures of the vacuum of space um, capturing astronauts on the outside of the space station doing
1: their, their EVA. And the, the production company behind this Felix and Paul, I mean, it's pretty well known in VR circles. Uh, tell me about some of their other notable projects and just how this one differed from, from what they've done before. Cause it sounds like it's far more ambitious.
0: Yeah. I mean, Felix and Paul has never lacked for ambition as they've pursued their different VR projects. Um, you know, they, it's all kind of squishy, you know, what was the first, but some people say that, that Felix and Paul is behind the first VR film. They did a VR piece in partnership with um, the Barack Obama White House where they had sort of the first immersive recordings inside the Oval Office where it feels like you're sitting across from Barack Obama when he was still the sitting president. Um, and they've done a lot of other ambitious things, but, but certainly I think going out into the outer reaches of our atmosphere is more ambitious in terms of um, of filming production. The Infinite is one of two manifestations from that collaboration with NASA. Um, They have already produced a sort of more Uh, it's a, it's a VR series that you can watch on Oculus Quest in your home if you have it. Um, And that sort of follows the tropes of conventional cinema storytelling where there's, you know, sort of character arcs for the astronauts. There's sort of a linear progression of episodes telling us, threading a story through. Um, But the infinite is designed as a sort of collective um, experience that you do with multiple people, as many as 150 people an hour can go through this the infinite experience and it's designed to be more like what it is actually like to be on the international space station the the main attraction is there's a sort of f- true to life virtual replica of the iss that you can walk around and explore in and at various points depending on where you want to go you can sort of dive into these immersive moments filmed on the ISS, whether it's, you know, an astronaut getting ready for bed or, um, talking to you about what it's like to look down on earth, or it could just be just a silent moment outside the space station itself, looking out into the cosmos.
1: Yeah. And tell me a bit more about that experience and, and how it actually works. Cause you, you mentioned that, you know, you're doing this with uh, 150 people, The the space must be massive. Like, how do how do you start to negotiate walking around with other folks? Because I'm just experiencing, or I'm envisioning, people wearing these masks and like stumbling (laughs) around. Like, how how does that work?
0: Right. Well, um, multi user simultaneous VR. um, I mean, it's difficult to do, but it's not unprecedented. the infinite, as a consumer, as a participant in the infinite, when you put on your headset, you—the entire um, exhibition has a has a what is it? A footprint of um, twelve and a half thousand square feet. But the largest room that you're in is about a third of that. It's about the size of a basketball court, and that's where the ISS replica exists inside this sort of like geo-located virtual reality, geo-mapped virtual reality. And so when you put on the headset, you can step into this room where the virtual version of the ISS manifests. But other people, um, you know, inside the virtual environment, it's mapped to the walls of the virtual environment that you are the physical environment. And so, you know, everyone's not every, most people that have done VR are familiar with the um, barriers that will sort of appear as you approach a wall that exists too. And then other people have um, avatars where those avatars manifest as you grow closer to them to avoid the possibility of that. You would, that you would like, you know, actually run into somebody. Um, the other element of, of that also kind of brings up another element of, you know, these avatars. It's also designed to be a, some, a communal experience. The fact that you can see other people in the experience, but if you go with friends, you can be able to locate them because every avatar in your group is synced with the same color as a little orb that sort of glows at your chest of your avatar. And everybody that's in your group has the same color orb. So even if you are not only will you not have to worry about like literally colliding with other people in the experience, you can also know. Notice when somebody else who has say a green orb approaches you, you know, it's like maybe your friend Roger who came with you on to go see the infinite.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I kind of like that aspect. And are you able to talk with the other person or is it still you're largely your, your audio is sort of synced to the, the ISS experience?
0: Well, the audio that you hear, there's no like audio capture that's routed through your headset headphones, but, um, ambient noise is able to get i mean this is we're talking about a quest headset um and i believe actually you're asking me something i don't i didn't note down if they had um what kind of headphones they gave me but they're not so noise canceling that you can't hear ambient noise and you certainly can just talk to the person (laughs) that you're standing next to and and be able to hear them
1: so is this more like a would you describe it as a more of a museum experience that the teachers are walking around and sort of experiencing what it looks like and getting facts?
0: No. And that was one of the points that the creators of the experience, um, both Felix and Paul and this uh, Montreal-based company known as FI, FI Studios um, and the FI Center. That's one of the things they really wanted to uh, kind of avoid in this. They, they wanted, you know, there are definitely instances of, some museum-based educational VR that you would imagine at like a science center or at a Smithsonian museum that's sort of designed to replicate and visualize parts of science, in this case, space exploration. But what they really wanted to do, especially after they started to get the footage back from the ISS and realized just how moving it is and how powerful it can be, is it's not to sort of have a detached um like full scale replica, um, of the ISS, but rather to be able to create that an environment where you can as closely as you can experience that sensation of looking down on earth, of being an astronaut and seeing, you know, the entirety of humanity's history, everything that we have ever been encapsulated in that one ball swirling in front of you in space. And the way that they did that, they realized is it, you have to take down the detail, you know, you have to take down the volume, you can't have a photorealistic replica of the ISS if you want people to connect with the emotions before they connect with the details.
1: That's an interesting point. Because you've talked to two of the astronauts who were up in the ISS and helped with the production. Like, what did they say about that experience and, and how closely it emulated actually being up there? Because they're, they're probably one of the few people that could actually do the actual comparison.
0: Yeah. And you know, speaking to these astronauts, I spoke to Anne McLean and Christina Koch, um, Christina being um, the whole, the record holder for the longest single space flight by a woman um, for her time on the ISS while she was doing this project, participating in this project. And, you know, talking to them was really powerful. And one of the things that Christina mentioned, um, you know, I, I went to the opening of the Infinite in Houston, and Houston obviously has a huge, it's a huge touchstone for NASA. There's a lot of, NASA there. And so Christina was there, Anne was there. And also they were surrounded by their NASA family. A lot of NASA engineers, a lot of NASA colleagues were there. And so they made these comments to this group that felt like family. And they were just so open about what it felt like. And one of the things Christina said was that the first time she put on a headset was to watch footage that was filmed while she was on the ISS. And as soon as she put it on, she had to take it off. And that wasn't because it felt so real. She wasn't ready to go back after spending that record-breaking 11 months living there. It was because it was so real, she couldn't bear with the idea of having to say goodbye again, which I think can give you a sense of just how immersive and true to their experience this infinite simulation of it can feel.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's impressive. And as a side, I loved how descriptive that interview was, including the descriptions of how space tastes and smell. I'm just curious what they what they said about actually being in space.
0: Right. I mean, VR there are people that are working very hard for VR to be able to simulate the senses of touch and the senses of smell. The infinite does not attempt to do that explicitly. And so I asked them to sort of fill in the blanks, you know, what does a uh, space smell like? Um, and what they said was, you know, the ISS in particular, because they have such high, um, highly developed air scrubbing systems, they have to, in order to be able to continually have oxygen to, to breathe. There's not much of like a, it's very clean. The smell of the ISS is clean, but the smell of space, they would get a whiff of it every once in a while when, like, a, a, a cargo um, module would be landing and docking with the ISS, and you would, you know, kind of be in that airlock, and there would be this sort of residual smell that became trapped there as that connection was made. They said that that I I think there might be a technical term for it. I think the technical term is autonomized oxygen. Christina's like, I don't really know what that means. And it's hard to describe what it smells like. But Anne said that she used to describe it to people as the smell of metallic burnt toast. And in terms of taste, um, one of the things about being on the ISS, obviously it's, it's a... Um, a a no gravity environment. And so one of the effects that seems to be pretty much ubiquitous to people who go to the ISS and live in the no gravity environment is the lack of gravity changes how the fluids in your body subsist, exist, um, which has a lot of effect on your sinuses. Your sinuses obviously have a lot of effect on your sense of taste. The sense of smell has a great, especially inside the, you know, your, where you chew that kind of internal sense of smell that you get it's deadened by living on the the ISS. And so it takes very powerful tastes in order to actually taste things. So Anne said that, you know, when she first arrived on the ISS, she saw some astronauts handing around a fresh onion and just eating it in slices like it was an apple. And she was like, I'm never going to eat raw onion. And then sure enough, a little while later, she's like, oh. Give me some of that raw onion. <laughs> and Christina said that in order for her to get any sort of taste in her food, she just puts sriracha sauce on everything. Um, and so even <laughs> to this day, if she has sriracha, it transports her back to to being in space.
1: That's that's amazing. Uh, one, of the, one of the aspects of, for a story that's actually running tomorrow, you, you're sort of looking at these large... VR installations that you have to go and visit, almost like a, like a movie theater, mm-hmm. and sort of comparing it to VR experiences at home, which during the pandemic a lot a lot of folks tried out for the first time. I'm I'm curious. There are obviously differences, but like how how do you sort of compare those two experiences and where they live as, as VR gains yeah. ground?
0: Yeah, the the pandemic had a very polarizing effect on virtual reality's fortunes. So as you noted in this you know when we were all locked down and couldn't couldn't go anywhere and even if we did go somewhere we weren't allowed to be around people obviously that created a lot of interest and demand around living room VR being able to put on an Oculus headset and be transported to another place or to be transported to an area where you could interact with a person and it felt like you were present close with them the flip side of it was what what my story of course refers to is in-person VR or location-based VR, which can span a lot of things. You know, we're talking about the infinite here, which what is a massive, massive exhibition. Um, but it can be as simple as like the, the VR video game at a Dave and Busters. It's location-based VR is really any any time that you have a VR experience where you go to a destination to have a specific experience, and often it's with other people. And so What we're seeing now, not only did um, in home VR, like headset-based consumer VR, have a chance to flourish in the pandemic, now that the world is reopening, location-based VR is starting to reinvigorate. And what's interesting about location-based VR is because it's designed to have a specific purpose at a specific place, you can have elements at a location-based VR installation or experience or, you know, attraction, whatever you want to call it, that you can't have at home. You can't have an omnidirectional treadmill in your home. You can, it just will cost you thousands of dollars. And you probably aren't going to pay thousands of dollars for a haptic feedback bodysuit, but you can have those experiences at a location-based VR installation, because those locations are willing to invest on that next level sort of stuff. And those locations are also where you're going to be seeing VR pushing the edges of what's actually happening. So if people want to sort of get the sense or even kind of brush up against the feeling of what that like ready player one version of the metaverse is, the way that you can do it, and you can do it right now, you can get that glimpse of it and that brush with the feel of it by going to location based experiences.
1: And it's great segue to the last question is, you know, if I'm curious about experiencing the infinite, where, where would I actually go to do it now?
0: Yeah. The infinite is, well, if you're in Texas or near it, the infinite's closing on Sunday. So you got to hurry. Actually, one of the people that I interviewed for my story is in San Antonio. And he was like, I'm so glad that your first story ran before we talked because he realized he hadn't gone to the infinite yet and that it was closing. And so he got to get in his car so that he could go and see it before it's gone. But it opens um, initially in Montreal. For the past few months, it's been in Houston, which is where I went to go see it. That's going to be closing on Sunday. In May, it will be reopening in Tacoma, Washington, so basically the Seattle area. And then from there, it will also be going to cities like San Francisco, Richmond, Virginia, LA, New New York, and the companies hope to be able to also bring it internationally as, as their sort of NASA collaboration involved, not just US astronauts, but other international astronauts and cosmonauts on the ISS. It has been an international collaboration from the beginning. And so they're hoping that it, the tour will be able to take it to international locations as well.
1: Well, John, thank you for your time. You can check out her stories on the space experience on cnet.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger and if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge I'm Roger Chang, thanks for listening.